Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Ah, yes, indeed. A very good evening to you. Welcome to the Macca's Run. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. I hope you had as good a day as you possibly can, however you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in. It's wonderful to have your company, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us on the SEN network. The Harcourts open line is exactly that on the Macca's Run. Your move, your Harcourts. Give me a call on 1300 736 736 to have your say on the news of the day as we bring you up to speed on that news for all things real estate speak to Harcourts. You can text in at any time, 0433981116, the temper text, temper, a mattress like no other. Uh, I've been seeing some texts throughout the day, uh, people bemoaning the fact that the Macca's Run quiz has finished. I'm here to tell you that because I didn't do enough, I have three double passes remaining. So the next few nights, the Macca's Run quiz lives. We'll do that just before 7 o'clock as well. On a Monday, I always like to ask you, uh, after the weekend of sport, give me your back page story. That's the good news story in sport. And what's the front page story? The story that isn't such good news. And you can't really go past Friday night for the front page story. The chaotic finish that had everybody up in arms. Should it have been 50? Shouldn't it have been 50? I tend to side on the shouldn't have been 50. When I read the rules, it says... Spirit and intention of 50-metre penalty. After a mark or free kick has been awarded to a player, a 50-metre penalty will be awarded against the opposing team, which delays or impedes the play or behaves in an unsportsmanlike manner. I was listening to Tony Jones, uh, who said on the Sunday footy show that their um, uh, video clip person, the person who puts all their video packages together, said that there's 24 frames in a second. And in that time between... Whistle and siren, there were eight frames between the whistle and the siren. So no time was wasted. So therefore, I'm okay with that not being a 50-metre penalty. So that's probably the front-page story. The back-page story is absolutely what went down at the G yesterday. Sorry to Frio. Great win stopping the uh, 17-game winning streak of Melbourne. But Sunday footy just felt like it was back. It felt like we, 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 we forgot all about the minutiae that we're getting bogged down in whinging about descent or umpires this or carry on that, and we just got back to footy. It was old, traditional rivalries, 80,000 people at the G. It was good for the soul. It was great for the game, uh, and I absolutely loved it. It was a thrill to be there to commentate it. And what it had me remembering is that footy is nothing without the fans. Fans are the lifeblood of the game. Without the fans, the game has no life, it has no heart, it has no soul, it has no substance. The Pies and the Blues, that rivalry feels real again. The opening salvos of Cripps to Adams getting involved in it early, it bred new life into an old rivalry. 
And as I said, it was good for the soul. Sunday was the most enjoyable game I've been a part of this year. And it was because of the people. It was because of the 80,000 strong that were there in full voice. Now, I don't want to get bogged down in what behaviour might have happened before, during and after. People talking about fights. I didn't see a fight. I saw four cowards beating up two other blokes and sinking the boots into them while they were on the ground. So that's not a fight where I'm from. Um, That's just how cowards behave. So to the people that went to the teams, uh, to, to, to everybody that showed up and showed out and made that occasion what it was. It just reminded me that footy is great, but it's nothing without you, the fan. Um, what an enjoyable day that was. It felt like footy was back. It was so good. So, so good. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Nathan Buckley uh, spoke to yesterday's game uh, on Brecky with Gary Lyon today. Like we've come out of a situation where we haven't been able to go to the footy, and we've forgotten about that real quick. But geez, you get reminded about the best parts of it, and yep. um, I thought that was uh, awesome for the game, awesome for the code. Uh, I loved it. Yep, couldn't agree more. Uh, Simon Goodwin was on uh, SEN Breakfast today after Fremantle stopped Melbourne's run of 17 straight wins, and in the process, stopping Jake Bowie from uh, equaling the record of uh, the most wins uh, in a row since debuting. He's stranded on 17. Simon Goodwin spoke uh, about the loss. I think it's just the reality of footy. You are going to lose. You know, I think no team's gone through any season undefeated at any stage in in the history of the game. So it's going to happen. It's more. Um, you know, you don't want to lose, but you get another set of information. It reaffirms what's important to you, what you need to be good at, um, and it gives your players a different look at look at the game. And us as a club, how we handle losing is, is different how you handle winning. Yeah, we spend a lot of time on role and um, execution of role and um, under pressure. And, and every game this season, we've had to reset ourselves in game. Teams have come at us at various stages throughout the game, and that's footy. Momentum shifts. Mm. And we've been able to get back to the things that drive our game consistently on the back of just role execution. And um, on the weekend, that was the thing that suffered the most. You know, We weren't able to, to stop that momentum, and we did, didn't get back to what we needed. It was really important. That's Melbourne coach Simon Goodwin on SEN Brecky today with Gary Lyon and Nathan Buckley on the loss and then on not being able to halt the momentum. Uh, Fremantle kicked just two goals in the first half. They kicked 12 in the second, I think 10 in a row, if I'm not mistaken, against the best defence in the competition, albeit without Stephen May, uh, who was concussed um, in the first half. Um, but they certainly might have provided a bit of a blueprint on some of the things you might need to implement if you are to beat Melbourne uh, when it matters most come finals time. Simon Goodman also spoke about what it means for other teams. Yeah, look, we've had those challenges for the last 18 months, you know, where teams have thrown different stuff at us and, you know, tried to break us down in various areas. Um, what we do as a group and a playing group and a coaching group is we learn from those scenarios. And as I said, there's, there's areas of the game that reinforced us on the weekend, what we need to be strong at. And if you're prepared to give up territory clearance like we did on the weekend and you can't win enough contests both at air and ground, you're going to suffer the consequences against good teams. And, and that was a, a really clear thing for us on the weekend. Simon Goodwin on SEN Brecky today, SEN.com.au to hear the full chat. Sydney have decided that they will challenge the uh, one-game suspension uh, to Buddy Franklin, which is an interesting decision, uh, and you can have your say on that news uh, of today, one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Harcourt's open line. Um, Buddy initially cited by the MRO for the strike on Trent Cotchin, uh, intentional, low impact and high contact. This was John Longmire today as to why. Oh, we're just going to challenge the MRO view of um, that it was an intentional strike. So that's what we'll be doing. There's not much more I can say outside of that at the moment. 
Short and sharp, John Longmire earlier today. Don't think it's a great look to be challenging that. Um, I think probably lucky to only get away with a week uh, is Buddy Franklin. It's a non-footy act. I really felt like it it probably let him and his team down on that occasion. Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't, I don't know why you'd, you'd even look to think that you'd condone that action uh, as a club. I think take the week, put your hand up, say you did the wrong thing and move on. One three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. AFL Coaches Association votes. I'll go through those in just a moment uh, in more detail. But perfect tens for Tom Stewart over forty disposals and just countless intercept possessions against Adelaide. Tim English uh, back and and uh, and dominating for the Western Bulldogs. Uh, ten for him. Brandon Ellis got a perfect ten in the Suns win over the Hawks. Brad Hill for the Saints. Um, over the Ruse, Darcy Parrish uh, in Essendon's loss to Port Adelaide. Jacob Wietering looking to be out for about six weeks with that shoulder industry, and it was just devastating to see him go down. Uh, he is holding that back line together. The injury list at the moment for the Blues, uh, with no Mackay uh, as well. Pitnet is out, which means that De Koning has to ruck. Williams is injured. Mitch McGovern would have been in defence. He's injured. Marchbank's injured. Oscar McDonald's injured. And then Ed Kernow, Luke Parks, David Cunningham as well. Um... In Heroes and Villains later on this evening after 7 o'clock, uh, invariably, and he's in it every week, Sam Doherty will get another hero nomination from me, um, what he's done to come back from testicular cancer and the way that he's playing at the moment with just out-and-out out courage. He put his body into some uh, very precarious places um, with just sheer determination and will and courage yesterday at the MCG and should be applauded for that um, in his return from testicular cancer. So really sad news that GWS small forward Bobby Hill um, has recently been diagnosed with testicular cancer and will undergo surgery next week. So we are wishing him all the best uh, and for he, to his family as well. Um, that's a, a terrifying situation to be in and one that um, we know that you know Sam Rowe has come back from a few years. Ben Cunnington is going through at the moment for North Melbourne. So that's um, yeah horrible news for, for Bobby Hill and we're wishing him all the best in his uh, road to recovery. Uh, Peter Matera. Uh, one of the greatest ever Eagles uh, of all time uh, suffered a heart attack over the weekend. 53-year-old recovering in hospital in Bendigo um, after that on, happened on Sunday. He's said to be doing fine. Uh, he's been living in Victoria for the past four years. Uh, to your calls, uh, John, if I can just get this. This is what happens when you've got to do it all, all the buttons yourself here. Sometimes they just don't work for you. Uh, John is in Swan Bay. G'day, John. Uh, yes, good evening, Mr. Hargraves. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, just a few things. Uh, it's very nice to have you on the air so we don't have to listen to the Carlton Apologist Hour from Mr. Marr because it gets a bit tiresome when the magpies are the big, the big tourists there. Uh, and it's nice to be uh, here in a, in a better space. Uh, I just wanted to praise Tyler Brown for his effort in that last quarter on Sunday. I reckon he really was the difference there. He, was, he, just, he came in as a circuit breaker, taken outside, and a few of the other ones uh, from Carlton, who came at us pretty hard in the credit to Kerno, who played a good game. But I really liked the way that Murphy came at it, the redhead, the fiery redhead. He's, he's been something special as he's come back after a lot of injury. And uh, Mason Cox jumped over the Rialto on uh, the Stilvani stepladder, where it was beautiful to see. And... Uh, to Jason Dunstall, who wants to mock Mason Cox about his eyes. We're playing your mob next week. We'll be remembering that. John, thanks for the call. Really appreciate it. Um, 
Where to start with that? Why don't I just stick with uh, the first point that you made, which I uh, quite like, is in regards to Tyler Brown. He'll definitely be getting a hero nomination. If you haven't seen early in the final quarter after Carlton kicked the first goal of it, um, Tyler Brown's tackle on Saad to dispossess him in his attempted handball, and then he followed up with a smother on Carroll, which one possession back for the Pies are able to storm down from left half back uh, into the top of the goal square when Mason Cox took the mark and converted. Uh, it was just uh, a couple of, there were several acts of desperation from both sides in that final quarter. It was a frenetic final term, and Carlton pushed Collingwood all the way, uh, which is admirable given that they'd lost Jacob Wiedering, who's been holding that defence together. Uh, but yeah, Tyler Brown, I couldn't agree with you more about his impact in that last quarter. Uh, John Noble as well for the second week uh, in a row. Nathan's in Craigieburn. G'day, Nath. Yeah, good evening. How are you? Good, thank you, mate. What do you got for me? Uh, just a couple of points about umpires, and, and I want to talk about the Saints if, I, if you have enough time for me. Um, the umpires, the call on the uh, Sydney versus Richmond game, I believe they should have been a 50 no matter what, what anyone says, because there's games where grand finals and stuff where the crowd's loud enough and the player can't hear a whistle, I understand, and it still gets paid a 50 metre. It's a harsh penalty to be given, but that's the rule. And if even if um, he had a kick from where he was, if he had the ball in his hand before anyone got back, you don't, you don't know how the ball would bounce. I don't know if you saw um, Seb Ross's goal on the weekend. It was a 70-metre kick, and it just kept going through. That and was a great goal. Great goal. So, yep. so Nathan, I know you, I know you, Nathan, I know you're saying you don't care what anybody says, but what about what the rule book says? The rule book does say that if you kick the ball away... It's a fifty meter. That's what, so. That, so yeah, but it that's be a 50 it's in relation to if if there's time wasting. So it does explain what the spirit of that rule is. And I just read out the explanation before that if time has been wasted with an unsportsmanlike act, no time was wasted. You're saying that, but it just it gives enough time for the players to get it back in defense. It's, it's a fifty-fifty. Obviously, it's got a great area to it. I understand what you're saying, but and with my with the Saints, um, I really believe Winhager. He's going to be a superstar and yeah. elite, talented player. Yeah, they've um, what? There's some great success stories, Nath, for the St Kilda coming out of their Next Generation Academy. I couldn't agree with you more there. Um, uh, Winhager, Wanganine, Miller, Owens as well, all Next Gen Academy players. So, yeah, great points made, and they seem to have really found. Um, and unearthed some talented players there. Uh, just off the text, not a good look. Barely touched him and Cochin stage smugly, as usual. Stop being a little PC warrior, Hargraves. Just uh, an E before the A after the R there on Hargraves. That's from Dwayne in the CBD. Dwayne, have the conversation. See if you can. See if you've got the emotional intelligence to have the conversation without the insults. So if you disagree, mate, that's absolutely fine. See if you can just have the disagreement and tell me that you didn't think there was anything in it and you think that Cochin staged. I think that Cochin might have put a little bit of mayo on it as well. But see if you can just have the adult conversation, give your opinion, try not to do it with the insult. You might even feel a little bit better about yourself for it. But thank you for your contribution nonetheless. Good on you, champ. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Joe's in Mount Waverley. G'day, Joe. Oh, hey, Hargrove. Uh, I'm happy for the spirit and the intent rule to be interpreted that way, but I think it needs to be consistent. You know, we've got um, the umpire dissent rule. It's the spirit and the intent taken into account there. And I think if we go back, you know, Melbourne supporters, when Jimmy Stein crosses the mark, what was the spirit and the intent there? Did he, you know, Jimmy didn't hold up play at all. He ran across the mark, got a, uh, at that stage, 25-metre penalty, cost him the grand final. Sorry, Joe, I'm not seeing the link. 
Well, there's no spirit and intent there. There was no time wasting. It's a, it's a different. Um, it's a, yeah, he ran through the mark though. That's that's cut and dried. Isn't kicking the ball over the fence cut no, and dried? But it's it's the, the the caveat on it, which I just read out, is the time wasting. So the whole intention of that rule, so that you have to give it back on the full and you can't just kick it away, is about not allowing time wasting. There wasn't any time wasted. But they're completely poles apart and they've got nothing to do with each other, in, with all due respect, Joe. They're, I don't know what one's got that's to do right. with the other. We'll, I will agree to disagree, I think. That's okay. No, absolutely. Hey, more than okay. It'd be pretty boring, Joe, if we all agreed all the time, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Uh, who do you barrack for, Cheers, Joe? Up. I'm an Essendon man, so we've got plenty not to be at the moment. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I, hey. It's always... A, it's always a, Right around the corner. I'm feeling for you, mate. I'm absolutely feeling for you. Hang in there. Nah, cheers, mate. Have a good one. Good on you, Joe. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 This is the Maccas run on SEN. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Maccas today with special sauce, juicy beef. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Maccas today. Uh, still plenty to go through. Uh, the Cricketer Summer schedule was announced. There's a bit to work through with that. Peter Roach uh, from the scheduling team uh, at Cricket Australia was on with Dwayne uh, a little earlier, Crash Craddock as well, to take you through uh, a bit of that. And, of course, your say on the news of the day is what's most important to me, one 736 The Mac has run. Welcome to The Mac has run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Uh, former Collingwood great Mick McGuan's going to join me at 6.30. Uh, only fitting that we talk about uh, another great chapter written in the oldest rivalry in VFL-AFL history with a man that's helped write some of those chapters himself. So Mick McGuan to join me after 6.30. Uh, Mark's in Mattingly. G'day, Mark. Hey, Sam. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, I just want to put out there as a back page... Well, first of all, front page, Richmond's captain's undisciplined acts that cost them two crucial goals on Friday night. Now, Curvis and Grimes. Yeah, yep. You know, giving away the, the downfield, two downfield, 50-metre penalty. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to get bagged by Richmond supporters, but I'm not having a go. But I thought, as captains, you're going to lead by example. Fair point. Everyone likes to, everyone likes to stick the boots in the Joel Selwood when he does something. But I'm not sticking the boots in. I just thought, as captains, especially in the last quarter, what Grimes did, wasn't real clever as a captain. No, point well made, Mark. What's your what's your back page? Sydney seven under twenty one year old players that don't know how to lose, that don't like to lose, and they never give up, never never say die attitude. And the way they were part of it, they instigated. I reckon they they come back in that third winner thirty three points down on Friday night. It was a brilliant game, and I'm a neutral observer. And the same as yesterday's game, just a never say die attitude of the young blokes. You can throw Jack Henry, uh, Ollie Henry in there as well for Collingwood, as, as well as uh, Taylor Brown. Yeah, great work, Mark. Uh, that comeback from Sydney, very impressive. 33 points down in the second term. They were 31 points down uh, in the third quarter. And that comeback, yeah, absolutely was contributed by um, several acts of ill discipline from the Tigers, uh, sloppy skills that came sort of out of nowhere and a real and a substantial drop in their pressure that they'd been applying um, so diligently in that first half. So, yeah, I think those are some areas to look at more keenly. And that's what Damien Hardwick said after the game. You know, does an umpiring decision that might have tied the game for you, is that the crucial element to your loss or is it 
being 33 points up and, and not being able to, to finish out the game. Uh, Mike is in Geelong. G'day, Mike. Oh, g'day, Sam. How are you going? Good, hey, thank you. Um, I just w- that's good. I just want to touch base just with um, Sam Butler from the Hawks. He's only a couple of games in, but he's already showing a lot, you know, not a lot of maturity, but he's just he seems to be getting involved really early, which is good. And I know we're a long way off from having, you know, your Bruce and Poppy going around, but if more and, um, you know, Sam Butler can just start getting involved and getting around the toes of Mitch Lewis, I think we're, we're going to be pretty good in the sort of the long run coming up. Yeah, good call, Mike. Uh, looking forward to seeing his career unfold as well. I think they did well at the draft last year, the Hawks. Um, and there's some exciting prospects coming through the ranks. Uh, Nick's in Keelor. G'day, Nick. Yeah, g'day, mate. Uh, look, got to love seeing Richmond lose. I'm not going to lie, mate. Maybe a little bit biased. But in relation to the what occurred, I'm actually happy with the result at the Siren. Um, I think it's in the best interest of the game that it, you know, it was paid or adjudicated in that way. However, to the literal law, uh, it's an interesting one. I certainly feel that time-wasting, uh, and everyone's arguing this whole time-wasting issue is based off the fact you kick it over the fence, you know, and they can reset. And, and I'm in agreement with that to an extent. I mean, Shy Bolton got a 50-metre free kick. I'm a person supporter against us on, on a couple of occasions where he didn't hand the ball back directly, but we had the player next to him, picked it up, threw it back, but because he had the ball and he didn't obviously physically hand it back to the player after the free kick, it's adjudicated as time-wasting. So I kind of look at going, well, you know, it's unsportsmanlike and, you know... Is it? Why I would, Nick, why I would say that it's not yeah. unsportsmanlike is you just have to watch him. He did not hear the whistle from the non-officiating umpire who's in the middle. So it's not, he's not deliberately trying to waste time. He's just celebrating when the siren went from a remarkable comeback win. So I, I would disagree with you that it was unsportsmanlike because you've just got to have a look at how it unfolded. And he had no idea that the whistle had blown. And then less than a second uh, later, the siren goes. But I appreciate your call. It's a great debate and we can continue to have it. Mick McGuan to join me next uh, on the Macca's Run. Stay with us. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Before we get to Mick McGuan, uh, 1-300-736-736, the Harcourt's open line is exactly that, and this is uh, the Macca's Run, and we do it all for uh, one of my favourites, and I'm sure it's yours as well, the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today um, with special sauce and juicy beef. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Cameron's on the sunny coast. G'day, Cameron. Yeah, g'day, Sammy. How are you, brother? Good, mate. And yourself? Yeah, not too bad. I just want to ring up. Well, first, I wanted to ring up and talk about Geelong, but first of all, I just want to say to all the avid footy supporters out there who are, I know you've copped some abusive, weird texts tonight and just the way people are so passionate and so angry towards decisions and just so fixated on it. The ball got kicked out after the siren. I totally agree with what you're saying. To sit there and argue the fact, I think, takes the passion out of the game. Sydney had an amazing comeback when I think it was brilliant. Yeah. Do yourselves a favour, guys. Just jump on the radio. Listen to SEN and listen to the commentators talk you through what's happening so that way you do not have a visual judgment. If you're so unhappy with what's happening, have a month off watching it on the TV. Trust me, it works. My second point would be, you're going to talk about Tommy Stewart. Blake gets 40 possessions a game. Imagine if you had a 19-year-old tall, six foot seven blonde kid who is an absolute freak of a player this year and I don't think he gets spoken about enough. 
which is Mr. De Koning. I think he's a superstar and will take too long for the next 10 years. He might not be up there in the next two or three because we're obviously an ageing list, but when that small group of players gets together and he leads the way, wow, what a player. Hey, uh, I've got some good news for you, Cameron. Yeah, mate, what's that? Sam DeConning is the uh, Round 11 NAB Rising Star nominee. So Beautiful. He and Tommy Stewart. So he deserves it. 28 intercepts between them. They had 25 marks between them. Uh, they were pivotal um, in that win over the Crows uh, over the weekend. Uh, he had 19 disposals himself, 9 marks and 11 intercepts. Gary Lyon is a massive, massive rap for Sam DeConing, and I think um, the, his sentiments would be well and truly echoed by most of the footy world. They have found a future star, the Cats. Uh, so Sam DeConing is the Round 11 NAB Rising Star nominee. Uh, let's get to our special guest for this evening on the Macca's Run. Eight points. They're going to get the ball away from the centre again through Montcourt. And McGuan gets past Brown. They're lifting the pies. They can sense it. First 15 minutes ordinary, but since then they've been good. McGuan's had five bounces. Nearly get another one. Round he goes. In he goes to an open goal. Phil Manassa stopped by Mickey McGuan. Goal of the year. It certainly was 1994, that goal of the year. And after new life gets breathed into the oldest rivalry in footy, a new chapter written, uh, a, a rivalry that seems to be relevant once again. I thought it was only fitting that we get a man on who's helped write a couple of the chapters in that rivalry himself. Uh, one of the sharpest minds in footy is Mick McGuan, who's been good enough to jump on. Hello, Mick. G'day, Sammy. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you, mate. Um, I said in the opener that I finally felt like footy was back in every way that we've loved our whole lives. Big crowd, big occasion, Sunday afternoon, a winter's day at the MCG, two teams just going hammer and tongs. It had a finals-like um, atmosphere to it. Uh, the crowd makes the game. It, it, it is The fans are the heart and soul of it, and the game just isn't the same uh, without them, and I finally felt like it was back. How did you feel um, taking all that in yesterday at the G? Oh, it's just good to sit back and watch... The old arch-rivals go head-to-head, but more importantly, as you stipulated and enunciated really well, this game's all about the fans and the mm. 80,000-plus people at the MCG with that territorial behaviour that comes with great supporter bases is what the atmosphere is all about, and I thought the players fed off that magnificently. Especially after we've had a couple of weeks, and even after Friday night as well, where there's real anger... Um, there's a tension amongst the footy family, people unhappy with umpiring or dissent or, you know, 50s that should or shouldn't have been paid. It just felt like it was great to put all that aside and just enjoy everything that was great and is great um, about our game. And it really felt like for probably the first time, Mick, since 2013 when it was billed as Buckley v Malthouse, that this rivalry had a bit of substance in it again. Well, it did, and it just comes back to... You know, when you get entrenched in both those clubs, there's a lot said in the lead-up. Mm. And it's irrespective where you are on the ladder versus where the opposition is on the ladder. And in this case, we knew Carlton were sitting in the top four and Collingwood were knocking on the uh, the top eight. And the win was important to them, just like it was for Carlton to solidify their position at the top of the ladder. So we knew it was going to be game on. And when you know what is said and spoken about behind the four walls, through my experience... You knew that Collingwood would roll their sleeves up and get to work, and the template was clearly there the week before with what they did against Fremantle. Their pressure was outstanding. Their tackle count was high, second highest, second highest in the year. But also you knew they had the challenges before them to contain 
what is a fantastic combative style that Michael Voss has brought to the Carlton team in 2022, but also their stoppage prowess and their ability to score once they get inside forward 50, even though they didn't have uh, Charlie Curnow's partner in crime and Harry Mackay. Mark Pitney's not playing at the moment. You just knew it was going to be game on from the outset. And as we know, both teams had chances. There was momentum shifts in the game. Mm. Collingwood owned the footy for a period of time in the third quarter, probably couldn't put the, the Blues away. And the fighting spirit that we've seen from Carlton on a number of occasions this year was clearly on display late when they kicked the last three goals. And Silvani has that last snap within 30-odd seconds of the game remaining, only to just miss, and Collingwood hold on for a four-point victory. Yeah, it, 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 we're all, it is what makes a day at the football, whether you're covering it or just taking it in, the more enjoyable with a game on the line in the moments that... That, that matter, that the moments that either win it or lose it, the, the, the desperate acts that define a, a win, were there a few that stuck out to you, um, whether it be from Carlton or, or from Collingwood, who, who hold on to win and, and knock off, uh, by the way, uh, set, and at the start of the round, Carlton were top four, so that's two top four teams uh, in succession that they've knocked off, which is, it shouldn't go, um, uh, that, that shouldn't go uh, unnoticed. Um, what, what were the moments that stood out for you, Mick? Oh, I just thought Collingwood's intensity early was really good to see and they had to bring heat on Carlton because Carlton are a team that have really had really good blitz starts. Um, they jumped out of the blocks. Collingwood certainly got the ascendancy early. And the momentum shifted just before half-time and I thought there was enthralling match-ups throughout the course of the event. I think everyone gravitated to the Moore and Charlie Curnow um, one-on-one matchup, and we thought that would happen going into the game. And when you see Kerno finish with four goals at the end, even though Darcy Moore had some really influential moments within the game, mm. you'd think Kerno just took the chance, uh, took the nod. But in saying that, you look for when the games are the tightest, and I personally always look for those players that are clean, don't fumble, make good decisions with the footy, where to go, why you go there, who have you gone to. And then you look for other moments and you say, well, in this situation, it's a high ball going in down the line. Who's going to stand under it and mark it? I thought Mason Cox, who's had a fair bit of criticism, and I've been guilty of him criticising him a fair bit over the last four or five years, I thought his second half was really compelling. And it had to be to take four contested marks in that period of time to kick a goal. I think he laid a really important tackle by memory. Being the tallest player on the ground, he got low, stayed low and tackled ball and all. Uh, they were sort of decisive moments. Nick Dacos is one of the youngest players on the ground, was so clean late, could have easily fumbled in congestion. So there was a lot of really pivotal moments. I thought, oh, he's stepping up when he had to and convert the chances that he did. The Curnow long 50-metre, outside 50-metre goal. Oh, that the was that. Of hope and yes. Into uh, the Carlton team was exciting. So as we know, good players step up. They get the job done at the right time, and those little individual moments can make a difference. The um, I've been remarking all year that what defines Melbourne at the moment for me was just a single act that I saw, but it's what they measure themselves on. It's what they build up within their four walls. It was Tom Sparrow earlier in the year. Um, they were already 60-odd points up uh, in a game at the G. It's just... Um, just mistaking me who they were playing. Might have been St Kilda. Uh, it just left my mind at the minute. But the act will never, because he defensive side of the members' wing, 
Um, he was involved in in regaining possession for the for the demons, and then ends up in the right forward pocket where he desperately lunges with bodies all around to slap it forward to Bailey Fritz. The desperation for the for the dive and and lunge and and the knock on to to get one more goal. I thought that epitomised what Melbourne are all about. And, and I felt like there were moments like that for Collingwood, whether it be John Noble, who's done it a couple of weeks in a row now, or Tyler Brown, whose tackle on Saad to dispossess him, and then the smother on Carroll after Carlton had kicked the first goal um, in the last quarter to really put a stop to their momentum at that stage. Those two acts of desperation to set up the Mason Cox goal. And then, as I said in the call, footy karma is a beautiful thing because their very next entry, he's front and square uh, and gets the quick snap to make it two in a row. I just thought that that, it, that seems to be what Collingwood want to be all about as well in their rebuild. Oh, absolutely. And there's times where every player that's played this game haven't had you know, good minutes or good quarters, but they have great moments. Yeah. And you spoke really well about Noble the week before, even this week, a run-down tackle. The Tyler Brown examples you gave were spot on. So, yes, you're right. There's a lot of times where you mightn't have had your day, uh, but you can certainly complement with what you do, what the team needs at the given point of time to certainly influence a passage of play that could be really effective for your team. And there was those moments right across the board for both clubs on the weekend. And when you know there's only less than a kick in it, it could have gone either way. A lot's been said about the Sam Walsh wasn't too high situation. Technically, there's no doubt it was a free kick to him, but the umpire was blindsided. He was the other side of the pack and wouldn't have seen it. And there you're relying Mm. on the midfield umpire in the mid zone to probably position himself in the right area to ensure that he could actually make a correct free kick and not guess. And that's one thing we don't want. So umpires have to really try to get in the right position at all times, particularly when the moments are tense. And there's an argument that last stoppage that Moore went to market and it went out of bounds close close to the boundary line. Darcy Cameron could have got an infringement in the ruck contest, but it was let go and nothing's been said about that much this week. And the Ollie Henry. I mean, I think with about a minute and a half to go, I think Ollie Henry could have got a free kick as well. So... Uh, I'm with you. I, I think, yeah, okay. If you're gonna, you, you could focus in there, or do you just focus in on that? Was a bloody good game of footy on a day with eighty thousand people, and the sun eventually came out to shine. Um, it, it felt like footy was back, for, and I haven't felt like that really because you know we've had crowds that have been lower than what we'd hoped. But this felt like everything that was great and has been great and will be great about our game. We got to live it and experience it. Uh, again, so it was just a, a joy to be there. Um, I want to ask you about Fremantle, the win over Melbourne. Tactically fascinating with what John Justin Longmuir uh, was able to implement. To only kick two goals in the first half and then to be able to turn it around. Apparently he gave them a fair spray at half time. And then for the, for the plans you put in place to actually come off to keep Melbourne to just one goal in the second half and put on 12 of your own. I thought it was a coaching masterclass, Mick. And I know, as I said before, you've got one of the best brains in footy. How did you view the performance from Fremantle? Well, once again, things that you put in place early mightn't get to work or go to work the way you want them to work. And then you have to make those necessary adjustments in-game. And this is what good coaching panels can do. They see what's wrong. They correct it. I've always been a firm believer in as much as we're in a system-based coaching philosophy in this modern era, I think there's still room for making adjustments to your system, particularly if you're not scoring or if you're not stopping the opposition from scoring. And then you come back to who are the most influential players on the ground. And if our system's flawed and those players are getting too much of it, 
and they're impacting the game because of that, there's no reason why you shouldn't be putting some work into making sure on your list you've got a person that can be a real accountable midfielder to take the opposition's best out of the equation. And I just, I'm shocked it doesn't happen more often. Um, if you want to revert to a 17-man defence, team defence, so be it. Ross Lyon did it for years. Uh, we've seen Alistair Clarkson use Liam Shields for years. He's used Daniel Howe at times for periods. It does work. And if you've got Clayton Oliver getting off the chain and doing what he wants around stoppage, there's no reason why you can't make that adjustment in game to bring him back to the field a bit. It takes great discipline. It takes great selflessness. To surrender yourself for the benefit of the team, there's not many players nowadays that want to do it. And I'm really critical of Essendon at this moment in time because I see with my own eyes they've got a lot of selfish players that just don't want to conform to role play. And it was evident again on Sunday in the Essendon situation. If you watch the game closely, you sit back and say, why, why is Zach Merritt on a wing? OK, he's on a wing for a reason. But then two minutes into the game, he chases the footy, collapses his wits, and all of a sudden Carl on his direct opponent, you wonder why he's getting the footy in space. That's not conforming to role play. That's not the winger's role in today's environment. And these are the things that should happen more often, I mm. think. And coaches are reluctant to put those in place. And if they do put them in place, the, the team will certainly turn it around, just like Fremantle did on the weekend. So Longmire's a good... Long, uh, Longmire's a very good coach. He's proved that at Collingwood when he's helping out Nathan Buckley. He's got his team very defensively minded, ranked number one in the competition of defence right now. The challenge for him is to get consistency with their offence yep. and be able to hit the scoreboard higher and more often than what they do. But maybe, just maybe, the weekend was the circuit breaker they required to do that to prove that they can do it. They know they've got five to come back into this team, who I think will spend probably 60%, maybe 70% forward to help out Lobb and also Tabana. And then they've got the ground-level support with, you know, Schultz is clean. He's a one-step kicker. Yep. Doesn't need much time and space to manufacture a score. So they've got a lot of upside to come, and they would have been smarting over their two previous weeks losing to Gold Coast and Collingwood. And they probably said, well, let's draw a line in the sand in the second half. Uh, we're as good as any team in the competition. Here's a chance to come to the MCG and prove that we can belong mm. here come September. So that's where you have to win it. And look, they, Melbourne had a fair bit go against them, which helped Frio's cause, whether it be May's concussion. But they were already doing the job on him with Griffin Lowe, playing that forward defensive stop on May, not allowing him to be May. And yet Petrarca, we find out now, is crook, only had the 10 uh, disposals. But... Um, yeah, I just was really impressed, as you were, with the coaching tactics that were employed by Longmuir. Aish going to Oliver, kept into the 12-second half at disposals, and it's a big win for the Brayshaw and Brody combo in the middle to get that win. And Darcy's win over Gorn shouldn't be underestimated either. Um, there was a lot to like about it. and there, As long as we don't play any finals in the rain, because they haven't enjoyed the rain, they're a bit like cricket. They don't play in the rain, Mick, but um, if there's no <laughs> rain in September, they'll be okay. Well, back. That brayshaw Brody combination's starting to bode well for their connection with Darcy. And to see Darcy being assertive Ruckman pushing forward to make his opposition Ruckman, for example, if it was Jackson for periods, it made him vulnerable as a, as a centre-half back, so to speak, or a full-back to man up on Darcy. And time and time again, he looked threatening. At the other end of the ground, obviously... Uh, sorry, at the Melbourne end of the ground, when May was sort of kept in check... There's a lot of times, probably after he left, there was times when the ball was kicked in. And I just imagine May would have been a person, just like Weedering would have been, he would have impacted the air when others couldn't. 
either mark it or killing it and clearing the area to take away their front and centres. And in Weedering's case, when he went down for Carlton to allow Collingwood to have 18, I think it was, 450 marks, just goes to show how much of an yep. important traffic cop he is, a bit like Stephen May is. He's a traffic cop, really good organiser, makes sure they're pulling them apart, getting left, they're gap-controlling spatial defences right so he can roll off and still impact a vulnerable teammate. He was sorely missed, but full credit to Frio. Uh, I think, yeah. as I've said, probably four or five weeks ago on the Herald Sun, I, I really believe Fremantle is the real deal. Hey, Mick, I always feel like we just scratch the surface when you and I chat, but you're always so generous with your time, and I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for giving us some more of it tonight. Anytime, Sam. Good luck. Uh, very good man. Mick McGowan and a great footy brain. Always worth tapping into. Another chapter written in that Carlton-Collingwood rivalry. And Collingwood now ahead on the ledger. one uh, 736 Macca's run quiz next. Uh, corporate double pass to Marvel Stadium. Up for grabs on the Macca's run. All thanks to the Big Mac at Macca's. Welcome to the Macca's run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Uh, because I didn't do enough for the Macca's Run quiz, we've got three to go. This is the only place where you will find Macca's Run quizzes on the Macca's Run itself. Uh, and we've got uh, another double pass today, Marvel Stadium Corporate Suite double pass. Uh, all thanks to McDonald's. The uh, My Macca's Rewards has arrived. Earn points with every McCafe coffee run to redeem your favourites. Let's crack straight in. Jack and Mill Park. Hello, Jack. G'day, Sam. How are you going? Uh, well, thank you. Question one, how many more games has Collingwood won over Carlton in their all-time head-to-head? One. Which Socceroos legend coached Western United to the A-League Championship? Sorry, what was the question again, sorry? Which Socceroos legend coached Western United to the A-League Championship? Aloisi. Who scored the final goal of the game in Friday's Sydney v Richmond clash? Final It was not Buddy Franklin. Uh, news today that he is challenging that one match ban for the strike on Trent Cotchin. But thanks, Jack. Uh, no joy for you. Michael's in Hawthorne. G'day, Mick. Hey, how you doing? Good, mate. Who kicked the last goal? Sydney v Richmond Friday night. Uh, I'll, I'll just have a stab and say Joe Bolton. It was not Joe Bolton. Uh, Paul's in South Morang. Uh, g'day, Paul. Yeah, g'day, mate. How are you? Good, thanks. Who kicked the last goal Friday night? It is Josh Gibkiss. Uh, in what countries are cycling's three major tours held? So Jai Hindley uh, won one of these majors, the first Aussie to ever win it and the second Aussie to win a major after Cadell Evans won a particular one of these in 2011. Not this particular race, but uh, one of the majors. So what three countries hold the major cycling tours? I'm pretty sure France, Italy and Spain. Beautifully done. One question to go. True or false, Ronald McDonald House Australia launched in 1981. True or false? Ronald McDonald House? What, sorry, what was the year again? 1981. 1981. I'll say that's true. Well, you would be 100% correct. And you, Paul from South Morang, are the winner of a Marvel Stadium corporate suite. Double pass. My Mac's awards is the ride. Earn points. There in the cafe coffee run to redeem your favourites. How does that feel, Paul? 
Fantastic, mate. Beautifully done. Stay on the line, Jordan. We'll get your details. Hey, uh, still plenty to go through uh, from a news point of view. Sporting Capital is up next. Matt Rendell's going to join me at 7.30 to give us some heroes and villains. But that's how we will start off at uh, the Sporting Capital, as we do every Monday night with your heroes and your villains. And there's a few other things that are making news from around the day as well that I'll bring to your attention if you hadn't been able to get yourself up to speed all through the day. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 to nominate your heroes, to nominate your villains. This has been the Macca's Run. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today uh, with special sauce and juicy beef. Grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.